It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the number one ranked show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever it is you get your podcast. Today... We've got our second emergency podcast episode in as many podcast episodes. And yes, this one, like the last one, pertains to USC and UCLA have been afforded membership into the Big Ten Conference. B1G just got a lot bigger, adding its 15th and 16th teams from the Los Angeles area. There's lots to discuss here I'm going to try to take care of some top-line thoughts, some top-line questions, and we'll continue to monitor this situation as it continues to evolve. But let's start with this. News broke on Thursday that USC and UCLA had initiated contact with the Big Ten looking to gain membership. And by later that evening, we had already conversations about chancellors and presidents meeting to vote on whether or not to allow UCLA and USC membership into the predominant conference in the Midwest and the second best conference, to my mind, college football for college football. Now, on top of all of that, there's a couple of things that I just want to discuss, but the SEC will increase its membership by 2025 to 16. We expect that the Big Ten will allow USC and UCLA entry in before 2025, which means they could get to 16 before the SEC gets to 16, but there's lots more to go there. Like Oklahoma and Texas also went at the SEC and said, hey, can we come in? And they said, we're not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. Absolutely come in, but you got to work out your own agreement as to when that is. And 2025 is when we expect them to be able to do just that. So first question that I wrote down that I want to address, and you can read this at foxsports.com. What does it mean for USC and UCLA? Is it good or a good move for them. And I think it's an outstanding move for them to the Big Ten. Bruins have, well, and Trojans for that matter, have long been two of the pillars of this conference, dating back to the 1920s. And we can look at data points throughout the last century and a quarter where those two teams have been outstanding. Like John Wooden's basketball teams come to mind. Shoot, Pete Carroll's uh, teams of the mid-2000s come to mind. Now with Lincoln Riley and Chip Kelly both maintaining USC and UCLA respectively, I expect to hear a lot more about some outstanding offensive minds going against each other to say nothing of outstanding personalities. James Franklin versus Lincoln Riley. Ryan Day versus Lincoln Riley. James Franklin versus Chip Kelly. Mel Tucker versus James Franklin versus Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly 
versus Jim Harbaugh. Lincoln Riley versus Jim Harbaugh. And that's just me taking a look at some of the top-line programs that are so storied in the Big Ten. It's not to throw shade at Rutgers or Maryland or Iowa or Purdue. It's just to say Ohio State has the largest college football fan base in America, and they've been recruiting and acting like it for some time. Other part about this that I find is interesting is there won't be a place where Chip Kelly or Riley can't recruit. Usually, right, name, image, and like this changed just a little bit, but not a lot. You'd have to say, hey, when do I get to see my boy play? Because not every family can afford to go to every single game, let alone every single home game, especially if they don't live in that area. Now, you get to say we have games in New Brunswick, New Jersey. We have games in College Park, Maryland. We span the coast. We can find you a game that can get you closer to, say, Los Angeles or closer to College Park, Maryland, New Brunswick, New Jersey, even State College, Pennsylvania, or East Lansing, or Ann Arbor. And you can really pick your spot there over the next couple of years because over two years, they're probably going to play every one of those 15 opponents. You also have an opportunity now to stage, say, a Big Ten championship at SoFi Stadium, right? You get that sort of footprint if you are the Big Ten, and USC and UCLA are providing that. I also think that this is interesting because it means the Trojans and Bruins join what, again, is clearly the second-best conference for football to me, say nothing of all the other sports, basketball, women's basketball, men's basketball, softball, baseball, gymnastics, beach volleyball, for which I believe UCLA just won the national championship. But you basically killed the idea of the Power Five, okay? From a football standpoint, we've been talking about the Power Five for the better part of 25 years, basically going back to the formation of the Big 12 in 1995, playing football in 1996. Now, you've got 32 teams among two conferences, and of those 32 teams, it's not easy, or excuse, I should say, it is not hard, it is easy to see how 20 of those 32 teams could occupy 20 of the top 25 spots in the Associated Press and the College Football Playoff Selection Committee rankings each and every year. Take a look at it, right? You can go Alabama, Georgia, Florida, LSU, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Oklahoma, Texas, Missouri, Kentucky. I mean, I can keep going here. Mississippi, Ole Miss, Mississippi, oh God, God. Auburn. Like, it gets hairy quick, fast, and in a hurry if you are one of those schools. You go to the Big Ten, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Goodness me, Purdue, Iowa, Nebraska, if they ever get their stuff together, Northwestern every three years or so, Minnesota's going to be there, Illinois is on its way up, Wisconsin, my goodness, it's not hard to see how these two programs, or program, these two conferences could really change not just the trajectory, but the overall appearance of what we know to be upper echelon football, and it might exacerbate this division between divisions that a lot of people want to see. Right, A lot of folks think that the group of five teams should be playing for their own national championship and the quote-unquote power five teams should be playing for their own national championship. That might be the case out of necessity. Right, We're talking about the college football playoff selection committee needing to start entertaining expansion. If not the Board of Governors to entertain expansion, I expect that to be done in the next year or so as they're coming up on needing to tell somebody what they are doing. And that I'm going to get to here in just a little bit. But it's easy to see that the SEC and the Big Ten are going to compare 
or command a lot of our attention, right? And that's what USC and UCLA are providing the Big Ten, what Oklahoma and Texas are providing the SEC. Also means that combined with the two conferences, right, you also have to look at the Pac-12, the Big 12, and the ACC, who have programs that might be looking up at what USC and UCLA are doing, what Oklahoma and Texas have done, and said, we need to get some of that, right? Don't want to say exactly which teams I think or programs or schools would go where, but it's not hard for you to see how some moving and shaking could be going on in the Pac-12, the Big 12, or the ACC. Now, I don't think that it's going to happen in the ACC for reasons that have to do with not football, but I do want to acknowledge that there's one team in particular, one school in particular, that I believe should be looking at the Big Ten if they aren't already. And that'd be Notre Dame. You're already in the footprint. You already are in the Midwest. You already recruit against Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. You want to be a barnstorming independent because that's what you've staked your legacy on. You have a rivalry now with USC that is going to be in the Big Ten. You know that you can get everything you want and then some if you decide that this is what you want to do. Now, this would also mean that Notre Dame would have to break with tradition, but they've already proven that they'll do that, especially with Marcus Freeman and Jack Swarbick running things. They scheduled Tennessee State, which means that they have scheduled a non-FBS program, and only USC hasn't done that. I think that Notre Dame is in position to get with the times and then be able to tell its alumni and donor class, look, this is what has to happen for us to remain competitive and for us to compete. Being an independent has worked against Notre Dame, I think, in some respects. But in football, people really have wanted to give Notre Dame the benefit of the doubt, kind of like Oklahoma, right? That's going to dry up if you keep getting back to the college football playoff and you keep getting sunned. Like, that's really what it is. Like, the way that I put it to associate producer Tyler when I just want to be antagonistic is Brian Kelly would rather coach against Nick Saban in his division than lead Notre Dame football. Now, you can make an argument about $95 million and what kind of money that means, but I would also say, you want to win. And Brian Kelly had said, I want to go to LSU because I want to win a national championship. That's him talking, not me talking. Notre Dame, what else do you have to give here? Because it is very difficult already to get in there on an admissions basis. This is coming from a guy that got into Notre Dame Law School by the skin of his damn teeth. Didn't get to go, right? But a lot of people that get into Notre Dame have stories about how they got there. Either they are the best in their class or they had to work their way up to transfer to Notre Dame because that's what they wanted to do. They want to end up at South Bend. Perhaps the only two schools that might be like, I don't know about Notre Dame or Purdue and Indiana for obvious reasons. That's, that's their state, right? But you'd have three schools from Indiana, the three predominant schools from Indiana and the Big Ten. I think that that's a really smart decision if they chose to do it, and it's one that I just cannot not bring up, right? There's also this really interesting aspect of what Notre Dame gets to do with the schedule. So USC is going to be on the schedule. Now that's a Big Ten game, right? You also still get the flexibility to schedule Clemson if you want to. You know, you already get them in the ACC. But, or perhaps Alabama if you want to, or Alabama State if, you know, you're so inclined. You can still do the barnstorming. You can hit all four quadrants of the United States so you give your Subway alumni something to root for and you are able to really recruit and get your donations off of those sorts of games as well. I mean, Marcus Freeman has been doing yeoman's work, going out to shake hands, 
and say hi to almost everybody. I'm really been amazed that he's been able to do this and put together what looks like it's going to be a top five recruiting class by the end of the 2023 cycle. What does this mean for the Pac-12? Short answer is nothing good, okay? The heights that Oregon had reached last year in winning at Columbus were dashed when Oregon took a really weird but unacceptable loss to Stanford and then got doubled up twice in three weeks they lost to Utah, who won the Pac-12 championship but was never a factor in the college football playoff and then lost what was a de facto home game in the Rose Bowl against Ohio State, the team that Oregon had already managed to defeat earlier in the season. That's not a recipe for telling everybody that you are one of the premier conferences in all of football. And now you've lost two of your name brands. I understand Oregon has done a lot for this conference, especially over the last two decades. But they have not played in the college football playoff. Only Washington has been able to do that since 2017. You need someone, not named USC or UCLA, to carry that banner in 2022, and Utah's your best bet to do it. Meanwhile, Utah's like, man, it'd have been nice to lord a conference that has USC in it, say nothing of UCLA. Is it as nice to lord a conference that has Oregon in it, a team that they have beaten twice in three weeks, just last year, maybe not. I'd be interested to know what they think about USC and UCLA, not just going to the Big Ten, but what does that mean for them in the Pac-12, along with places like Colorado, Arizona State, and Arizona, right? The University of California system schools, like California, right? What does Stanford think about all of this? What does Oregon State believe about this? Does Washington even care? I think all of those things are going to come out, in the next six weeks or so. By the time we get the media days for Big Ten and Pac-12, I'm going to be just excited to hear what people have to say in late July about what has transpired in the last days of June. Also means that if USC was good, or UCLA for that matter, the Pac-12 doesn't really get to bask in that glow, which kind of sucks, right? Because after I just laid out for you the so-so year it was for the Pac-12, they got a bright light when Mike Bone managed to lure Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma to USC. And with Lincoln Riley, not just came the promise of, oh, we might be able to make a college football playoff here in year one, year two, year three. It's that Caleb Williams joined him. It's that Jordan Addison joined him. It's that half of the staff from an Oklahoma team that had played in three of the last five college football playoffs and won the Cotton Bowl in 2020 had joined him too. Now it's like a lame duck. So let's assume, for the sake of argument, Oklahoma fans, cover your ears, that USC managed to run the table undefeated. Let's also assume that UCLA is the second best team in the Pac-12, because remember, they removed divisions. You would have USC and UCLA playing for the Pac-12 championship, which, if they are Pac-12 members, is exactly what you want. Now you don't even get to have that. Everybody's going to look at that and be like, see what the Big Ten is getting. And you're going to have to try to recruit other schools to join you so that your conference continues to function as it has once before. It's just just a rough deal for the Pac-12. Now, finally, what does this all mean for the college football playoff? For me, expansion, expansion, expansion. 
Okay? I already laid out for you that there are 32 teams or 25% of college football is going to be playing in the Big Ten or the SEC by 2025. Stands the reason that you could end up with two teams from the Big Ten and two teams from the SEC playing in the college football playoff. While I'm sure that Big Ten and SEC fans won't have a problem with that, maybe everybody else will. And there's still a bunch of those folks. It's not even that you have to placate those folks because I'm the only person that still possesses the dream that college football might one day include the word parody and might one day be fair, even though none of those things have ever been true for college football. But you need to be able to give people the opportunity. You need to have the dream out there. If you are Central Florida, to use a real example, and you go undefeated, you want the same opportunity that Cincinnati had last year to get beat. That's all. You deserve the chance to get beat, which means you also deserve the chance to shock the world. And that is what stories are for. That is what the sport lives for. That is why I am a fan of the sport. It's for the stories. Stories of people, the stories of programs, the stories of once-in-a-lifetime players and teams forming more than the sum of their parts. You want to have that in the sport. You want to give everybody a chance. It's why we all root for the walk-on who finally wins a scholarship at whatever program he dreamed of playing football at. It's why we can look around and see guys that perhaps don't have it from the measurable standpoint, but produce it with instinct and bravery. It's why Baker Mayfield became a folk hero at Oklahoma, walked on twice and won the Heisman Trophy, guys. There's also room for Kyler Murray, who might quite possibly be the best Texas high school football player of all time. Both of those guys won the Heisman Trophy. Both of them did it at Oklahoma. I think you need to introduce opportunity with an expansion for at least the illusion of being able to get to the promised land. Maybe you're going to give a buy to one through four, which nobody would give any truck to. And maybe we end up with Alabama and Georgia playing for the national championship once again. But for the growth of the sport, for what we need the sport to become in 10, 20, 25 years to continue to facilitate college football being meaningful, it needs to be more than the NFL's best minor, uh, minor league. It needs to be about you. It needs to be about me. It needs to be about fans that went to colleges like the University of Tulsa, that went to University of San Antonio, Texas San Antonio, that went to Houston, that feel like they got a chance to play with the big boys too. All right. I did a bunch here. Um, but, you know, it called for it. My thanks as always to uh, lead producer Catherine Donnelly. Our associate producer, Tyler Wojak, our director for the show, John Marcus, our lead of screening, Rachel Cohen, our social media maven, Javion Duncan. Look, the number of people that have helped staff this show and make this show what it is and allow me to sit behind this microphone and talk at you for a little while has my whole heart. And this has been a tremendous year so far for us. And we're very excited as we're just having such a great time, man. And I work with some folks that have been busting their behinds. Everybody's been awake. Everybody's been up on this on uh, all hours of the day from our social stuff to just getting this show out in front of you to me being able to sit down here and just go. I pray that you get to have the same opportunity that I have had to do this job, uh, to be able to be a college football analyst on the Internet at this time in history. Just so much fun, guys. And I'm grateful to you for listening to us, uh, 
for subscribing to the YouTube channel, which you know I built with these two hands, um, for leaving ratings and reviews on the podcast, uh, for telling us what you like and, and what you don't like, right? For being kind about it, for engaging in dialogue. Continue to ride with us because this is going to be fun. This is only going to get better as we get closer and closer to 2022 and beyond. All right, that's it for me. Doses.